Friday, everybody. Welcome back to the Couchside Judges. I'm Scott Fontana. You can follow me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fontana. And I'm Dan Urban. You can find me at Dan Urban MMA. You can follow the podcast at Couchside Judges, and you can subscribe wherever you listen. And if you like what you're hearing, please give us a five-star review. And on this show, we talk about judging in MMA, so you should learn the criteria, which you can find at abcboxing.com. So, Dan, you know, obviously we are an MMA show, and why not start off our MMA show by talking about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Yeah, looks like it's a fun series. I got to catch up on on the Marvel Universe before I can watch it. I think Captain America is dead. I know, I know. You're you're sorely lacking in watching all these movies, which I I don't know why. I always find it surprising when I talk to people who haven't watched, like, all of them. I'm like, why not? Is Captain America dead? I kind of got that hint. Uh, from watching the first 10 minutes of this. Spoiler alert for everybody who isn't caught up. Yeah, and I, he's not dead. Oh, he's not dead. Not really. Oh, all right. Well, I think... I think it's complicated. I think Iron Man's dead, too, which, I mean, he's pretty Iron much... Man is dead. So, uh, I, I saw spoilers of that. I can't avoid that. But, I mean, yeah, at that point, why even watch? Because Iron Man is Marvel, and uh, I kind of killed it with that. So, not watch as interested in it. They are good, like, especially if you watch them, like, as a whole. Yeah, but after that, I mean, no Iron Man, there's no Marvel. So, Well, I beg to differ because you and I both watched at least the opening portion of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is the only reason why we're talking about this, because it featured the greatest fighter of all time, George Rush St. Pierre. What'd you think? I love him as a bad guy because it's just yeah. so not him. It's totally not him. It's very against type. And he, he, does, he does it very well. I hope he's the bad yeah, guy yeah, throughout this there. series if I do watch it. I don't know if he's going to be there through the whole thing, or if he's the main villain or not. I can't tell. Well, I don't want to say anything, uh, because you know people probably haven't watched this yet, But uh, as far as what his fate is. But I would say that I did enjoy him, and, and it's kind of interesting to see him in fight sequences. I'd like to see them put him in more if we do get the chance to see him again. You know, he, he was in, if you recall, Dan, he was in Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. So obviously this is him revisiting the character uh, Batroc the Leaper. Is he the same guy? It's the same guy. Why oh, wouldn't he be? I didn't know if he was the same character or not. Oh, that would be weird if they just brought him back as a different guy, right? Uh, no, that happens all the time on TV. I guess, but no, uh, I, not not in this case. Okay. No, he's he's still Batroc. I'm pretty sure he was just like captured or something, or maybe he even got away in uh, the Winter Soldier, the the movie, which now is old enough that I'm sorry, you know, that's that's just not a spoiler. Alert. The movie's been out a while. Yeah, I thought Bucky died in it. What do I Negative, know? sir. I, I saw a movie, too. Yeah. I can't remember. Maybe you fell asleep. Didn't fall asleep for that one. That is probably my favorite of the Marvel movies, actually. Uh, Captain America, Winter Soldier. You know what I did watch? I watched Car- Captain Marvel, or Marvel, however they say Marvel. Well, they say Marvel in the movie for some stupid reason. And mm-hmm. I thought it was not that great. I, I couldn't tell which was a bad guy, who was a good guy. It was all over the place. It, it was... It wasn't great. When did you turn 74? Telling you. This one, this guy's a good guy. Nope, now he's a bad guy. Now he's a good guy. Pick a side already. I didn't think it was that hard to follow, man. No, they kept switching. They kept changing their mind. They really switched. It was just whether you understood where they were or not. They kept changing their mind. And I didn't like that. Indecisiveness between villains and heroes and doesn't work for me. (laughs) Strongly disagree, sir. But anyway, let's let's move into the fights. Uh, You know, we'll, we'll move back from... Fake fighting and and the movies and sorry GSP you know I I, I like I thought it was good for us to talk about uh you know his 
sequence there because not like obviously we see fighters in other movies, but this is an actual Marvel thing and people see it. So it stands out more than when Andrei Arlovsky is in the sequel to Universal Soldier. I've never seen it. Yeah, me either. I never actually saw Universal Soldier either. Me either. I didn't even know there was a second one. Oh, I mean, they'll make sequels of anything. There's like seven Scorpion King movies. Well, The Rock's awesome. But he's only in like one of them. Well, he's awesome in that one. Randy Couture is in one of them, actually. Me. And then we bring it back. But yeah, so fights. Let's talk about, we've got a past judgment for everybody for this week. Uh, we, you know, we did split splitting a uh, headache last week. We're going to bring it back to past judgment because this one, while not a, uh, not a split decision by any stretch, and there was a split round in the fight that we're about to talk about. It, it's really more about kind of the degrees in, in, in rounds in this fight. And, and really, we just wanted an excuse to go back to a classic fight, right? Yeah, this was a good one. Really excellent fight featuring the this weekend's defending heavyweight champion, Stipe Miocic, in his first real test in the UFC. He was fighting Junior Dos Santos. If you recall, the first fight between the two of them was a barn burner. So before we get into that, Dan, run through past judgment and how he scored. The CSJ criteria is basically the same as the ABC criteria, which, as we mentioned earlier, is available to read at abcboxing.com. And like certified judges, we score fights based on the 3Ds, damage, dominance, and duration, but we just made a few key changes. A 10-9 round is a competitive round in which neither fighter checks one of the 3Ds by a large margin. A 10-8 can be considered for just 1D, but should definitely be given when 2Ds are achieved. And a 10-7 is available for checking off 2Ds, but must be given for all three. We've discarded tiebreakers for effective aggression and area control, as these are rarely used by judges anyway. The rare 10-10 would only be given in largely uneventful rounds. All this helps provide more varied scores, which should more accurately reflect what happened in a fight. All right, Scott, set up JDS Miocic 1. Yeah, so again, this was a really excellent fight from, we're going all the way back to December 13, 2014. It was the headliner for a UFC on Fox event uh, at US Airways Center in Phoenix. Dos Santos came in, he was 30 years old, 16 and 3. He had just lost for the second time to Cain Velasquez in his bid to get back the heavyweight title that he originally won from Kane. Uh, and if you recall, this fight, Dan, was just a, a prolonged beatdown of JDS where he just kind of refused to be put away until the fifth round. That was bad. That was a rough one. I think this one took some time off of JDS's career. Part of the reason why he's not in the UFC anymore, I would think. Yeah, most likely. Just a contributing factor. I would say. Oh, for sure. It was a, that, that, that was a uh, one-sided, total beatdown. And I don't know how else to describe it. And not only that, it was barely two months before this fight. So after that, he jumps right back in the saddle to take on this fight, which, as you know, as we'll talk about, it, it, it's quite a war itself. Um, but, you know, Stipe, it's funny. He's actually two years older than JDS, but he's the one who's kind of the rising prospect at this point. He's only 12 and one. Uh, you know, he'd won three straight. After his first career loss to uh, Stefan Struve. You remember Stefan Struve is actually Stephen one of the few guys to have wow. beaten. It's the only unavenged loss in Stipe Miocic's career. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so he's 12-1, and one, three straight. The latest win that he had was back in June before this. It was a 35-second TKO of Fabio Maldonado, who was, you know, a kind of a, a soft, light heavyweight. And that was basically just put together to save uh, the top of a card. Um at last minute, and it, it ended up being just a just a beatdown for you know, about half a minute. Uh, <laughs> the judges for this one were Derek Cleary, Marcos Rosales, and Glenn Trowbridge with the referee, Herb Dean. So, Dan, round one. 
let's dive in. What's happening here? This one was a pretty good, fu- a good start to the fight. Decently fun round. Yeah, uh, I thought big guys. Uh, I thought both guys landed big punches. I thought JDS was the more immediately impactful fighter. Though Santos was wearing some damage, you can't deny that there. And I thought it was really close, but really what what separated it was Dos Santos. He landed a couple of strikes that seemed to just stop Miocic in his tracks. Like maybe one or two of them where he just stumbled a bit and was like, okay, those are big. So I went for yeah, him 10-9. I don't blame you for going 10-9 for JDS here. And all three judges, I'll say that off the bat, they agreed with you. And I still went the other way. And and let me be clear before I go into my th- my feelings on this. The commentary for this round is so slanted towards Stipe. It is ludicrous. It's like everything Stipe did was highly effective and anything JDS did like didn't happen. I'm glad you mentioned that because I watched this twice. I watched it first yeah. with the commentary and I scored it for Miocic. Okay. And I said, I, I got to go back and watch this on mute just, just to make sure. And I changed. See, I didn't go back and rewatch it, but I was very cognizant of the slant as it was happening. So like I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm trying to tune it out as best I can, you know, and, and I'm getting better at that as I go on and, and I watch more of these and try to score it. I'm, I'm better able to kind of tune it out or at least even if I hear it, I'm like, nah, try again. You know, I, I can I can make my own decisions, I think, on and, and watch and see what's landing and what's not. I'm I'm getting better at it. Having said that, I did disagree with everybody. So, you know, what the hell do I? But I, I thought this is a really close round. Honestly, I, I could totally see this going either way. Am I wrong? No, no, I, I thought it was close. I, Stipe had really good success breaking away from the clinch. He would when they're separating, he was always landing something. And that's when he cut uh, JDS on his eye. Yeah, I see for me when I would agree that I think JDS probably landed like the best strikes of the round, like maybe the one or two best strikes. But I thought that on the whole, the ones that Stipe were was landing. I thought they were more consistently effective than JDS's. If that makes any sense, uh, I mean it's possible. I, I I I saw pretty even back and forth, and like I said, that really the determining factor was the two strikes, or at least two that I remember, where Stipe's just stopped in his tracks and ha- has to yeah. reset his his whole whole thing up. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm I'm not going to sit here and die on this hill. Like, I accept that there's a good chance that I'm just missing something and other people see it that way. But, you know, I watched. I only got to watch it again one time. I watched this fight live. I don't remember how I scored it. I don't even remember who I thought won it, to be honest. I was a huge JDS fan, big, big supporter of, of what he was all about and didn't know as much about Stipe uh, at that time. So, you know, could I have been colored by that? I have no idea. Uh, but just watching it today... Just watching it the one time. Yeah, I I thought it was close, but I ended up going that way. And, and again, not a hill I'm going to die on. Yeah, it, really close round. I think it's one of those rounds that, like, let's say we were able to go to, like, a like a 10, 9 and a half. I would be much more willing to go to that. Yeah, I guess you could. You can. I guess you can get it there. You probably would. It sounds like you'd probably have even still ended up with the 10, 9. Uh, yeah, I, I mean. I, I mean, we I, haven't I, defined what these are, you know. Right. I, I still, JDS, small margin. Uh, win. All right, That's fair enough. But yeah, like I said, all three judges went this way anyway, so you got to defer to them, right? I mm-hmm. I have no problem deferring to the judges who were sitting cage side. They know more than I do, and they were there. They had more information. Uh, round two, though, this is very much a bounce back round for Stipe. Yeah, this was a solid round for him. Opens and up. I a- think it was a more solid round than what Junior had. Yeah this this was this was Miocic winning a round decisively, pretty much. Yeah. Uh. Busted open a cut on JDS's right eye, 
landed some good strong punches. I mean, Junior was still landing his own shots. They just the impact was not nearly the same. I didn't think, and he was. This whole fight was at least relatively competitive throughout. Yeah, this was a very competitive uh, fight on the whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, seems like JDS was getting tired towards the end, and I, I think it's just pretty clear for Miocic ten nine. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I don't think it reached a ten eight level in our system either. I think it was a very solid ten nine that didn't quite get anywhere further than that. Yeah, I, I think going if you went JDS here, that that's an issue. But I also don't that think would have been can... an issue. Yeah, for sure. I I don't see a way to see it. I just don't um, think Miocic did enough to hit that ten eight for us. No, definitely, like definitely not. It's not even very much of a a, a question for right. me. It's just a very solid. Like this is what a ten nine ought to look like. A yes. good easy ten nine. Yep. Round three, another solid round. That... Oh, did all the judges have it? Oh yes, they did. Everybody saw it this way for Miocic. No one, no one's disagreeing. I'm not. I'm not the crazy guy. Uh, <laughs> on the opposite side this time. Okay, so all all three judges, Cage, I'd have it nineteen nineteen. Yes, yes, it's squared up nineteen all, which is what you have, and I have it twenty to eighteen for Miocic. Okay, heading into round three. Mm-hmm. And round three, what what's happening here? This is this is a big round. This is a really good round for JDS, and it was a round that started pretty close, and maybe even in Stepe's favor, but then JDS lands that big left, drops drops him to the ground. And after, Briefly, yeah, it was a quick. It was still a knockdown, but after that, yes, it, it was it was all JDS. Miocic continued being offensive, but he just wasn't really landing anything all that effective. And everything that was effective came from JDS. Good body shots, hard rights to the face, solid damage. I, I think it was pretty clear. Ten eight, yeah, ten eight for sure. He didn't like because of the knockdown. You would think that maybe he'd be able to push it further, but he never really. He took a more cautious approach. I think he yes, he didn't, didn't think Stipe was badly hurt enough which you know i think the results bear that out i think he was smart not to try and sell out or anything um but because of that he never was able to approach an actual 10 8 um in the abc system which would be a 10 7 in our system yeah he, he didn't put his foot on a gas like you said cautious approach but i mean this is easily the most dominant round by either man to this point through yes 15 minutes mm-hmm. uh so that you know at this point if i'm jds you got to at least feel like you're you're heading in the right direction. Like things are looking pretty good for you, even though on my card, I did see that close first round for Miocic. So my card says 29-28. No, you said 20. For Stipe. Uh, no, you got, you got 28-28, right? Did you go 10-8 in round three? Oh, 28-28. Yes, yes, exactly. Thank you, sir. Um, I don't I don't math, I guess. I'm actually <laughs> very good at math, but obviously not tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I've got it tied. It's going into the uh, the championship rounds here. You have it 29-27. Yeah. Which is not how any of the judges have it. You would have had it 29-28 like all three right. have at this point. Yes. Because they gave this round to JDS. Yep. So championship rounds. Yes. Yes. And another round for Cigano. Yeah. I thought it was a, a, a good close. It was, I thought it was a close round. I, JDS landed good and frequently early. Uh, mixing the head and the body. And, and as the round progressed, Miocic landed a couple big shots of his own, but JDS has the edge and then lands a big impactful trip to the ground with some good punches from the guard. And then he ends the round landing some good shots against the cage. I thought it was close, but clear for JDS 10-9. Yep. Excellent. Perfect assessment. I, I have very little to add to it because I think you nailed it. Um, Close, but clear. I, I think that's the phrase, right? So 
what we're looking at here is is now all three judges have it 39-37 for JDS, which means Stipe needs a finish at this point. He doesn't know this, of course, but that you can sense the urgency in their corner. Uh, we'll, we'll get to round five in just a moment. Did you uh, did your broadcast have a corner when you watched it on fight? It had some corner. Okay. Yeah, I didn't get much. Yeah, it, they like went to a commercial break, sort of, and then they came back and you saw... You saw uh, Stipe, his corner, they were talking to him. And there was definite urgency. It wasn't like a, you need to finish this fight to win it kind of thing. But there was like a, you know, you need to snap out of it. Like they were okay. giving actual like advice, like when, when there are situations, like you need to press and that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. you were getting good corner advice. Oh, you know, I, Stipe. I, I do remember some corner in this going into the fifth round. Yep. That's For, what I'm talking about. Okay, exactly. Yeah. And JDS's corner said we're slightly ahead. So they didn't even feel that comfortable. No, and, and why should they? So, it was too competitive a fight. Yeah, it was a good fight. You know, I think they gave JDS good advice to say, like, we're slightly ahead. It was like, you know, you can feel good, but, um, you know, that's really more just for your own confidence. Like, understand, mm-hmm. there's still urgency to try and win this fight here. And, of course, he's been, I mean, they've both been taking a pounding through 20 minutes. So, I think, I think Junior knew what he was up against. <laughs> yeah, this was no easy out by mm-hmm. any means, so. But, yeah, so you have a 10-9 round in round four. I have a 10-9 round in round four. So for your score, you're at what, 39-36? Yep. Is that right? And then I have it as uh, 20, or excuse me, and I have it 38-37 to 37 for JDS. So my scorecard is much closer because of the, differ, the difference that you and I have in round one. Mm-hmm. And all three judges which, are at 39-37? Yes, yes, absolutely. So like we said, he needs a finish. Uh, round five. Now here's the final round, and we actually have a split among the judges here. So talk about how we got there. Yeah, I, I, this was a, a another close round. I thought it was this was a really close round. And mm-hmm. it looked like JDS was going to run away with it early. But then around like the two-minute mark, Stipe starts, starts landing some really big shots and getting really good reactions. Uh, I thought these are like smashing punches. And I ended up leaning his way 10-9. I went the, I went the other way on this one. I actually saw this as a JDS round. But... Again, really, really close. Uh, in this case, I actually sided with the majority on the judges, though. You you were um, with the out judge here, yes. Derek Cleary. Mm-hmm. So but- I saw it the same way as uh, Trowbridge and Rosale. So, you know, but but yeah, I mean, this is a really close round. Um, I think as I'm watching, I, I'm just seeing better impact, more better effectiveness in the strikes. That's that's all it really comes down to. It's It's how you perceive the strikes landed. And also, there is the fact that throughout this round, Junior is landing objectively more strikes. He's landing more. Yes, he landed. He landed much more. I thought that's why I said I thought he was going to run away with it early. Yeah, and then I I thought the strikes that Stipe landed at the end were just really big, and he was getting really solid reactions. I thought I just didn't think he took it. I you mean, know, that's, despite that's the fair. disparity in strikes landed, especially if you go by UFC stats, it's 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 almost doubled up. But um, that you know doesn't necessarily mean everything you know it's really more of what you see um but yeah in this one i i really did see a, a round where i just thought jds was more effective overall yeah. with his strikes landed when you account for the whole thing but but yeah I'm, i wouldn't you know i don't disagree so strongly to say that you uh or or Derek cleary are wrong in this case i just think it's we're talking about a close round yeah in a close fight uh, a hotly contested fight but i think one that did give us a decisive winner well i mean we both had a you got a winner out of this out of this round yeah, I, I, Wait, my, I, my final scorecard matches yours, actually, sir, because you and I, we both disagreed on uh, rounds. So round one and round five, 
we had flipped. Yes. Okay. So we ended up both at 48-46 for JDS in the end. So same final score, just got there in a different path. Gotcha. Okay. And I do think that, realistically, I, I think that JDS won this fight. I really do. But it's funny because like when you think about this fight and people talk about this fight, people remember it as like, well, Stipe, he looks fantastic. And and I think people twisted that into Stipe should have won well, over also, time. But Also, there was a part on the broadcast where Mike Goldberg, that's how long ago this fight, Mike Goldberg was still on, on commentary, says, it is all over. He says, I think sometime in the second round, he goes, if you're scoring this fight on damage, and I was thinking to myself, well, all right, sounds like a good idea. Uh, <laughs> clearly, he goes, clearly, Steve is winning, because at that point, Junior's face was a mess. Well, that's visible damage. Right, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's that's visible damage. It's like, it's not that it doesn't count, but it, you're really... My understanding of the score, scoring criteria is that damage is really how much you're diminishing your opponent. And cuts count, of course. But, I mean, if you're you're really talking about your opponent's ability to fight back. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, he was pulling out his eye a couple times. Yeah, so. no, and that counts, of so. course, for sure. But if you look at MMA decisions on this one, the majority of people who submitted their scores, they did think. Dos Santos won this. So, I mean, yeah, there's there's like a little bit of a split. So it's not even like one of those fights where people were like, oh, man, Stipe got robbed. People generally on the whole still thought Dos Santos won. But I feel like that there's almost some sort of, you know, almost Mandela effect of like, oh, yeah, I thought Miocic won that fight. It's like, well, not most people didn't really think that on fight night. But I think it's one of those things where people were impressed with Stipe because juniors, of course, you know, coming off of the title fight. Yeah, and Stipe hadn't really been tested. Stipe was was kind of a big underdog for this one. He was like, plus, see the odds. I think it was plus three hundred, right? Yeah, that's a big underdog. Yeah, I mean, anytime you have that, obviously you're talking about expectations, and, and I think that's something that we kind of saw manifest in uh, December's fight between uh, Davis and Figueroa and Brandon Moreno, where people thought, oh man, what a fantastic fight! Moreno was really in, it. and it's like, well. He definitely fought better than we thought he would, but other than that, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, that yeah, that's a good example because I, I definitely thought Figueroa was just going to maul him, and I, a lot of people did. That yeah, didn't I happen, mean, so. realistically, that's what we all thought, and I still kind of think that's what's going to happen in the next I fight. Do, yeah, like you said it before, he's Figueroa shines in rematches, so it does I? And I think especially now that he's not fighting one month later, because he, he you have to think he cuts more weight. Oh, and yeah. Brandon Moreno. So to take a fight on short notice like that, even though they were both on the same card, you have to think it had more of a of an effect on Figueredo. Oh yeah, definitely. Especially with all the talk of you know, was he in the hospital or something like yeah. that the night before? Craziness. So, uh, but as far as this fight, yeah, not to say that I wasn't impressed with Miocic here. I remember this. This really was even in defeat. It's it's one of those things where he definitely gained shine in a loss. Is I think the way to phrase it. Yeah, that's a good way to, to, to say it. I mean, um, his stock didn't fall for this loss. Mm-mm. So No, not at all. And, and you know, actually, this ended up being the last fight that he would lose until he lost to uh, Daniel Cormier as the champion. Yeah, that's, that's a wild He ended up going on a, a six-fight run. Seems pretty difficult to do at heavyweight. Yeah. Actually, you know, a year and a half later, he was the champ. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And he's back in the cage defending his belt. Yes, weekend. he is. I, I just spoke to him uh, the other day, and that's the only thing he wants to talk about. He really didn't want to entertain any questions about John Jones or anything. He just He's really just focused on this fight. He's one of those guys. Well, there's no John Jones if he doesn't win this fight, so. That's true. But yeah, he, he's just one of those lunch pail kind of guys, yeah. you know? Just focus on the task much. at head. You, you, 
he's a firefighter and he behaves like he's just one of the guys in the firehouse. That's just what yeah. he is, you know? That's awesome. Blue collar, working class, easy to like, honestly. And I know people give him crap about, you know, his voice and everything like that. When I spoke to him on the phone, I thought he sounded fine. Good on Stipe. All right. But what he's fighting a very scary guy. Again. For the second Francis time. Francis Ngannou. Yeah, I mean, the the funny thing is, there's like there's like kind of these these dueling parts of this. Like first off, in the first fight, I mean, he dominated Francis Ngannou any which way, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But ever since then, dominated. Ngannou's been knocking people out even faster than he ever has. Some of his fights seem like he just goes in with reckless abandon, and he knows he just got to land one. That's how they. I watched the the Yarzino Rosenstruck fight. And it was just wild, wild haymakers. They played it in slow motion. I'm like, oh my god, he's yeah. missing and missing. And then he eventually closes the distance because you can only run so far backwards and smashed I, his left in, into Rosenstruck's head, knocked him out. I, I think he has discipline. I think he just knows that he doesn't really need it against most guys. The, the thing is, has he... I mean, I guess he knocked out Blades again. He did. Did Blades try to wrestle that match? I can't remember. I don't recall, but it didn't go very long. No, so I mean, we know Stipe's path to victory is the ground. So, how much has Ngannou fixed that part of his game? We haven't seen. You know, the the longest fight Dan that he's had since since he lost to well, he lost to Derek Lewis as well. That that was that very strange, bizarre, weird uh, decision that he had against Derek Lewis, where neither one of them basically did anything. It was like it was one of those fights that was made to create fireworks, and it was like they all got rained on really really but but in this one the the longest he's been in the cage since then was against jds almost two years ago he was in there for a minute 11 seconds all his other fights 20 seconds against uh rosen strike like you said 26 seconds against kane velasquez 45 seconds against blades you know what the weird thing about the the kane thing i was like oh man kane blew out his knee that's why he lost that's what i remember thinking i don't think that well i mean he kind of did but he also got knocked out okay it was a little off One kind of led to the other. And that was also in Phoenix, actually, which is where the uh, the fight we just spoke about for okay. Bass Judgment was. Good old Southwest. But uh, my pick, I'm, I'm sticking with Stipe. I, I think we're going to see much of the same. I think he's going to be very prepared for any storm Nganu has. I think this is going to be, this is going to sound weird, but I think Nganu's best chance to win is either round one or round five. Round uh, five, Stipe will be tired. I just watched this round. I caught it last night. It was on ESPN again. They've been playing this fight left and right. Round five, Stipe is very tired. Of which fight? Uh, talking of, about Daniel Cormier? No, no, no. Of Nganu, one. Oh, okay, sure. And so I think while they're both tired, if Francis can land some haymaker, I think that's a good shot. But I think rounds three, four, and five are going to be all Stipe if it if it gets that far, of course. Or round one when they're both fresh, I think Nganu has a good chance. I'm, you know, these are famous last words. I'm gonna pick Francis Nganu here. I actually am, and, I, and I'm not one to usually write off Stipe. I've actually been quite a believer in him along the way, um, even when people have kind of been doubting him. I've, I've been uh, an appreciator of the skill set that he brings to the cage. But I just think that Francis Ngannou, having had more time to develop as a fighter, and don't forget, when he fought Stipe the last time, he took it like six weeks after he had just fought. He had no time to prepare. And he, he even told me, because I talked to Ngannou last week too, he said that he didn't really prepare right for that okay. fight. Now he's no, he's known that this fight is coming for a long time. He's worked on things like his wrestling and all this stuff. You have to think, just because he was so new to MMA when he fought that time, I mean, he was only about four years into his career. Now he's just about double that, more like seven years. 
and he's definitely got the he's worked out with uh Kamaru Usman who's going to be in his corner Kamaru you know it's not like he's been showing him uh or like it's not like they've been actually training together because there's such a size disparity but Kamaru has been showing him like moves to do and things like that things to keep in mind and you know I think when you have instructors at that level people who actually fight too and can tell you how things work in the cage like it's definitely helpful instruction he's still got to implement it but he's also got that fight changing power and I think he's better prepared to do it well there's no doubt he's going to be better prepared I just uh I don't see him going much different I I I don't understand why Stipe is the champ and the underdog it's that's really strange to me. I mean, I think that's disrespectful. I mean, it's it's not like anyone is sitting in Vegas trying to do that. This is obviously just where the money moves. So it's just weird. Uh, but I did get a, a little insight today. I saw on Twitter a little bit of uh, Ngannou's training camp. Mm-hmm. Apparently, he's is, is in a kid's white belt class, and they're all trying to take him down. He's just launching him across the mat. It, it was. I like it. It was actually hilarious. But... That's great. That's I like that. <laughs> Oh, were... I mean, I'm convinced that that alone should sell you, right? There's like 20 that, kids. That probably running... moves the line. There's 20 kids running at him, and he's just grabbing them by the gi and launching them. <laughs> I gotta find. I'll send you the link. It, 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 That's great. It's yeah, fantastic. I'll, I'll check that out later. Yeah. Hey, you know what? I can't say you're gonna be wrong because, like, realistically, I don't think if I, I think you're right. I think it's he's got to get it done round one. I don't even see round five. I think if it's if it goes past round one, put the don't use me as your excuse, but bet the farm on uh, Stipe retaining if it goes past round one. That's just my take. Yeah, the longer it goes, it does does go in, in Stipe's favor. But I, me being weird, for some reason, I think if when they're both tired, Ngannou gains a little advantage late. But yeah, we'll see. Never know. If hey, if it happens, you heard it here first on the couch side judges. <laughs> uh, any other? Well, actually, real quick, we always ask this question: Who are we going to expect to judge this fight? Well, you never really know, um, but I will say that we had Mike Bell, Sal D'Amato, and Junichiro Camillo assigned to the headliner last week. You know who we had assigned to the headliner the week before, Dan? Same three? It was the same three. All right. Stands to reason we could see it again. Maybe they're going to bring in different judges. Maybe well, Derek Cleary's coming in because th- we didn't see him the last couple weeks. I would think I think a pattern that I'm somewhat devel- uh, seeing is the pay-per-views in vegas it seems like ron mccarthy's doing yeah hey maybe we'll see so, him for that one too that would be interesting i think he'll maybe he'll be there yeah we'll see I, whoever it is i think we're gonna get excellent judges like we've had and we've had excellent judging the last few weeks too so you know there's a lot of reason to have a lot of faith in the team that we're gonna have this weekend if for some reason uh it goes five rounds in the title fight or you know any other fights that go the distance you know we've got well how many how many fights we got here 10, 11 this weekend like, i think it's 10 yeah we, we keep losing them don't we yeah yeah, we're down to 10 right now. By the time you hear this, maybe it's 8. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Any fights you're looking forward to? Well, assuming that this fight uh, does make it to the cage, I would say Sean O'Malley going against Thomas Almeida. Uh, O'Malley is just, he's been such a dummy ever since he lost his fight to, to Cheeto Vera. Um, between talking about, you know, why not just try heroin? Like, that's not a bad idea. That's a very bad Terrible idea. Terrible idea, Sean. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't do it. Yeah, um, that and uh, I mean, the fact that he won't even he, he was saying this week, I, you know, I have no problem admitting what I lost, but I didn't lose to Marlon Vera. It's like, well, he couldn't walk. You did. Yeah, he couldn't walk. He couldn't walk because Vera landed a kick that hurt. Right. Him. Exactly. It wasn't just that he got hurt. That happens. And if that happened, I could almost understand why he would be able to make that case. He got hurt 
because of an injury inflicted upon him by his opponent throwing a kick. It's not even a a weird thing that happened while they were grappling or something. Like, this was ill intent that worked. Yeah, very good. From Cheeto Vera. Yeah, good on Cheeto Vera. That was not a fluke win at all. Not a fluke win at all. So, you know, again, as much as he's just being a dummy with what he's saying, I am very excited to see him return because I think he could put on a very fantastic uh, showing against Thomas Almeida here. Almeida, you know, he used to be a really interesting kind of rising prospect and his shine has completely faded he's over the fa- years because we haven't seen off. much of him. Yeah. I just yeah. want to say, maybe O'Malley's just acting this way because for that fight, the UFC went insane with marketing for this guy. They went, to, they they probably spent a whole bunch of money to market him and he fell short and now he's trying to get that same thing because obviously for this fight, he didn't get anywhere near the same attention. No, we're not hearing about him so, the same level. It's it doesn't work that that way. I mean, when you lose the way he did, yeah. I mean, especially because now he's lost two fight. Well, he didn't lose the other fight, but he had a massive injury in his fight that he won over uh, Andre Sukumtot a few years ago. You remember that one? Yeah, he should. If if fighter IQ was higher and he oh stood my up, God, he yes. wins that fight. So Sukumtot, I mean, it's like, what are you doing, dude? And it's probably part of the reason why he's no longer with the UFC. I, I liked him as a fighter. I think he's a talented fighter, but he's just one of those guys who kept losing decisions. And this is this is a classic case of why he should be able to beat a compromised opponent like O'Malley. Um, was in that one, but yeah, this is the second time now we've seen him get hurt in the cage, and yeah, you, know, you you have to start to wonder, like, well, I mean, is this guy just kind of brittle? I don't know, talented, but maybe maybe that'll be a falling point. We'll see. I mean, I don't root for anybody to get hurt for sure. Although I definitely will root for him to maybe have the reverse brain injury that he seems to be um, exhibiting based on the things he's saying and doing. Yeah, I, like I said, I think it might might just be him trying to keep himself relevant, but. He's going to be relevant. He's, he's also a, good a fighter. kid. He's still pretty so, young. I think. Well, I'm, I'm kind of curious to see if he's going to throw kicks in this fight. Um, but I think he will. I'm I'm going with O'Malley uh, TKO. I'm not sure what round. I'll say round one O'Malley KO. Nice. What about you? You must be looking forward to something. I mean, you know, it's not a lot of choices on this one, and you know, we lost obviously, which we didn't even mention. We lost the title fight, the 145 pound title fight between Alexander Volkanovski and Brian Ortega because the champ. Contracted COVID nineteen. Now that one's yeah, delayed. Unfortunately, uh, which it is unfortunate. That would have been my pick because I love Ortega, but another guy I love, uh, Vicente Luque. He's in the yes. co-main event. Big fan. Taking on Tyron Woodley, and this is really a big step up from for competition for Luque, even though Woodley has fallen so far away from a title contention. Tyron Woodley hasn't won a round in several years, Dan. I mean, it's it, he has just not looked. He's looked like a total shell. Of what he used to be. You know when you used to watch some old Tyron Woodley fights and like sometimes he would just have that round go by where he just like it almost looked like he was resting or he was more passive. But then other rounds he would look like a house of fire. Right. Well, that the house of fire is gone. They put that out. He's just he's just a burned down house now. You look at the three guys who he did lose to, though, that you mentioned, and it's Kamara Usman, Gilbert Burns, and Colby Covington. Those those guys are fantastic opponents. So these are are probably the three best guys at 170 pounds. But he looked. He looked like he didn't belong anywhere near them. Like not even I mean, shouldn't they, have even yeah. booked that way. They they were very very dominant, but even still, you you don't think this is a step up for Luke? Oh, I do. I think oh, it's okay. it's definitely a step up, but I also think it's one that is very very winnable for him. Okay. Yeah, I I would actually feel very strongly about Luke getting a finish here because I think he's uh, going to be aggressive enough. Okay. And and look, if Woodley if Woodley wins, I bet you he wins in exciting fashion. I actually think that, but. 
I just don't think he's going to win it. I, I don't think I don't think he's got it anymore. I don't know what happened, but he, he's he just seems cooked. I'm leaning Luke, eh? but not I'm not sold completely. Really? Why I'm not? not? I'm not sold that Woodley is completely. He's got something left. I think he's got something left, but okay. I'm still leaning Luke. Eh? I, it really comes down to can Woodley put him on his back? I think. I don't know if it's all that because Woodley does have the power. So, I mean, you think he was still with the power? And if he gets into a firefight with someone like Luke, who hits hard himself, gets hit a lot too. He can so still that's put the true. lights out. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah, and I would count that hit, out so. by any stretch. Could be a yeah. Could be a knockout for Woodley. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. That and that is what he needs. I think he really needs a knockout. Probably even just for his own confidence. Like a you know, if he, if he grinds out a win, it's like all right, fine. I'm not, I'm not losing anymore. But like if he gets that knockout, it's like okay, I'm back. This is me. You know. So it, it's knockout to to prove he can still compete. Or if he loses, this is just more proof that he, it's time to hang it up. Yeah. I, I mean, it, look, if he can't beat Luke here, and that's not a, a knock on Luke, but it's it's almost like, well, what are you fighting for anymore, dude? Like, how much farther down do you want to go? Yeah. So, And and I, I would have to wonder if the UFC thinks it's worth the investment in him at that point, too. I don't know. That's for them to decide. Not to take away from Woodley's career. I mean, he's he's a fantastic fighter. He's probably... You know, he's somewhere in the top five as far as best welterweights of all time. I, I guess I'd probably still put, you know, off the top of my head, I would put uh, GSP as number one easily because he's the best of all time. Hughes. Um, and now now you're talking about Kamaru Usman is maybe in there. So I think maybe Usman has passed him. Maybe not. It's hard to say. But he's, you know, top four or five. Yeah, for sure. Usman's got to fight uh, guys other than Jorge Masvidal. I'm going to harbor yeah. on that for until that after that fight's over. Maybe, maybe it gets changed. Who knows? That's all for this episode of the Couchside Judges. We will be back again on Monday to break down all the action from UFC 260. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this one, even though it's it's obviously a little top-heavy, but it's the, the top fight I'm really looking forward to, so I'm excited. Yeah, that's, that's one of the rare heavyweight battles that I'm ready for. Absolutely. I think it's going to be fantastic either way. So, you know, enjoy the fights, everybody. Take care, have a great weekend, and we'll see you Monday. Thanks for listening.